2: So when you think about the habit, the habit is I want to spend money or I want to go have a good time. So I'm going to open my banking app and I'm going to look at how much money I have. Now, depending on that number that I read, you know, whether it's 200 or $500, that's how much of a good time I can have. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to stay within that good time. Then if you want to say I put myself on an allowance, I was like, all right, if I know that this is what I do, I'm going to put all of my spending money in one account. And whenever I'm ready to go out or to have fun or to spend money, that's the bank that I'll use. That's the credit card or that's the card that I'll use. So I will put X amount of dollars in this bank account and I'm going to use it. And when I use it, that's that money. And I know that my bills are paid. I know that my savings is done. This money is strictly for whatever the fuck I want to do.
0: You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to Yo Quiero Dinero. This is your host, Janice, and you're listening to episode 128, How to Be Bougie on a Budget, with Mikhail James, a.k.a. The Bougie Budgeter. Mikhail is the founder of BougieBudgets.com, an online platform dedicated to teaching Gen Z professionals how to finance their best lives. Upon graduating with her MBA focused on accounting, Mikhail became a certified financial literacy instructor, and she has a fresh new take on managing your money. Her teachings use pop culture references and relatable language to help her audience understand confusing money concepts like budgeting, saving, and investing. The goal is to make positive money moves while still controlling your finances because living your best life can only be done if it's financed properly. So I love Mikhail. She keeps it 100% real on the socials when she's talking about money. She will call out the BS and she is just really about empowering us to live our best freaking lives and using money to do that. So if you want to know how you can be bougie on a budget, this episode is for you. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, And as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Mikhail, welcome to the podcast. I don't know what the hell took me so long to invite you here, but I am so glad that you're here.
2: Oh my gosh. You know, we'll say that the universe wasn't aligned at first, (laughs) but now it is now. And that's all that matters.
0: Yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Let's start off with you introducing yourself.
2: Well, if you have never heard of me, hello, how are you? My name is Michael, a.k.a. The Bougie Budgeter, and I teach young professionals how to finance their best life and how to have simple money skills to do it because I believe that money should be easy, and I'm a pro-fintech, pro-first-generation college student, all of those things, and I love to have fun.
0: I love it. So let's talk about your money story. Did you learn about money growing up? Oh, absolutely. My mom
2: is the purse keeper in our house. So growing up, I always thought that everybody's mama took care of the finances. <laughs> I thought that everybody's mom made all the money decisions. But one of my favorite stories, whenever someone asks me about, learning about money. I like to always talk about Christmas. Mm. And I know it's not the holiday season, but Christmas is really, really important to my mom. And one thing that she used to do was she started Christmas Club's accounts for my sister and I.
0: Oh my God, mine too. (laughs) (laughs) It
2: is a thing. And a lot of people had never heard of it, but I didn't know what she did all year. But all I knew that in October, I got $700. And here are our instructions were only to make sure that we had a gift for everybody in our family. So (laughs) I have six brothers and sisters, plus my mom, dad, and my grandmothers. And if I so choose, I could also add in my aunts and uncles, but that was up to me. But all of my siblings and my parents and my grandparents had to get a gift. Mm -hmm. And that was what our task was. And what I find so just. big about this story is number one, my mom's biggest thing was we don't have a Christmas tree. And it was always, do you want the tree or do you want the gifts? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, as a seven year old, I'm like, well, damn, I want the I want the gifts. I <laughs> 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 So right there, that's opportunity cost. Like, what was more important? And at seven years old, I knew that it was more important to have whatever was in the gift box than a stupid tree in the middle of the living room. Mm-hmm. But why I love the story of, or why I always talk about the story of the Christmas list is because it taught me so many different things. Number one, how to be selfless and to give. Whatever your feelings about the commercialized idea of Christmas, that's just how my family practices. So I can't (laughs) speak to anything else, but Mm -hmm. it taught me to be selfless. It taught me to think of others. An important person that also had to be a part of the Christmas list was myself. So Mm -hmm. also taught to give to myself and to treat myself for all the great things that I do throughout the year. And then it also taught me how to stay on budget. That was really the first idea that I had of what a budget would look like. And I just knew I had $700. I had a task at hand, and whatever I had left over was mine to keep. (laughs) Right. And I was actually talking to my mom a couple of weeks ago about this, and she was like, Yeah, at the end, I would always have money saved, money left over. And just even as a child, I realized that if I had like, $50 left over from that $700, I could put it back into my Christmas club account. So then I would have a little bit more money than my sister did (laughs) by the (laughs) next Christmas. So whenever I had extra money left over, I would give it back to my mom, put it into my my savings account for the next year. Mm. So just from that small story, I learned selflessness. I learned how to budget. I learned how to reinvest funds. And all of this was just a practice that went on I think she stopped giving us Christmas money when I went to college okay and by the time college came around that Christmas money was absolutely for me to survive but that's another story for another day
0: I love that both of our moms were Christmas club enthusiasts I had never heard of anybody else doing this so I'm just like yo shout out to the moms because somehow they always had money to just do it up on Christmas I love that Now, you mentioned in your website bio that you found yourself 22 years old, your first real corporate job, and you got a bonus check for $5,000 and it disappeared. So what happened with the lessons that you were taught about budgeting and actually becoming an adult? Because I had the exact same experience.
2: Budgeting never went out the window. Part of it was I never had that much money Given to me mm-hmm. at one time, <laughs> and it's such a true story. It's it's a thing that when we do all the right steps, right? We were told that we had to be a little bit better than our parents, and we had to go to college to get this big degree. So then, after we got the degree, we would get this really huge salary. And I did it. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I went. I got the sixty thousand dollar salary at twenty two. I did the negotiations and that's how I got the $5,000 bonus. And then it was like, okay, well, what else do I do? Like I <laughs> I did everything that everyone told me to do. So I deserve this. I deserve to blow this money because I worked hard as hell for this. <laughs> and that's what I did. Yes. <laughs> that's what I did. Because what else do you do at 22 when you're making almost twice the national average as a single person that has no real bills, no kids, no responsibilities. What else do you do?
0: Right. <laughs> so I feel like I did the exact same thing because I started working right out of college, making like $40,000 a year. And I was like, yo, you can't tell me nothing. Like this is, I'm living my best life. I don't need a budget because I make enough money. toxic ass mentality and that I just kept falling back into as I made more and made more. And then, you know, I'm making six figures. I'm like, I definitely don't need a budget. Like there's way too much money flowing here. And it was just easier for me to make that shit disappear. I think that that's the
2: biggest thing when we talk about making more money and we're not really getting to the root problem of it. We're not really thinking about what are the habits and also, we have to think about, we're in college, we're really living on less. Like, Yes. <laughs> so when you take someone out of that mindset of, I have to scrape, I have to live on less, one summer, I worked full-time internship and two part-time jobs. So basically oh two God. full-time jobs just to save enough money so I could not have to work throughout the school year. Mm. So. That's really a poverty mindset, but that's what I had to do. And now I'm making in my one job, I'm making more than I did in the three jobs. (laughs) So yes, I'm going to have fun with it. Yes, I'm going to enjoy myself. And when we're in that poverty mindset, no matter your own definition of what the poverty mindset looks like, when you go from living on less and having to scrape by no one's going to tell me that I can't spend the money that I worked hard for. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I was coming from.
0: Yeah. No, I think that is so relatable for many people who listen to this podcast. And I talk a lot about the fact that your money mindset determines everything about what you do with it, but it can be so difficult to change those habits, right? So what is your advice for starting to work on your money mindset? I think the
2: first step for me was just facing the math and looking at the fact that I did blow $5,000 in like less than two months. And I had to go through, I think no one wants to do it. It's the worst shit ever. But going through your your actual bank statements and that's what I did. I had to face the reality of, damn girl, you're spending way too much money And you can't continue to spend $3,000 a month and we making $3,000 a month.
0: It's just... The The math math ain't (laughs) mathing. Somebody ain't doing the math right.
2: (laughs) It's just not going to be sustainable for us. Yes. And I had to face that one first. And then I had to go into the root problem. Like, how am I overspending? Like, where are my trigger points at? And... I'm not going to lie that takes therapy that takes a lot of self reflection and every day I'm learning more about my money traumas. Every day I'm learning more about where my trigger points are. I talked about really candidly that uh 2021 wasn't a very happy year for me in particular. So mm-hmm. when I am sad, I spend more money and Same. I do that because I am trying to figure out something to make me feel better. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: sometimes new things make me feel better. Yeah. So, and I think that just being candid about those type of things, because we're so conditioned to think that we can take emotion out of money and separate that. But I don't really think that you can, because a lot of the things that we do, we're, you know, we're human beings and emotion plays a big part into how our brains even work and why we have decided to do this, why we decided to go right instead of left. All of those are conscious decisions controlled by our emotions and past experiences. So I felt like I did not completely (laughs) answer the question, but I think the first step really, and whenever I talk about budgeting, like the first step is not budgeting. The first step is to forgiving yourself for your past money mistakes for anything that you thought that you were supposed to do. When you look back at your life, like, damn, at 25, I should have X, Y, and Z. Instead of feeling bad for that, forgive yourself and make a new promise to yourself that you are going to work as hard as you can to create the life that you really dream of. And you have to forgive yourself because if not, you're going to continue to keep that trauma and keep that self-doubt and that pain within yourself you have to literally say i forgive you and then start creating your plan for the next step
0: yeah it's almost like a feedback loop like the more you spend the more shame you feel you feel like shit i'm going to spend more and it's like until you kind of step outside of yourself and realize like why am i actually doing this with my money like what am i actually trying to solve emotionally mentally physically with this as the substitute I think that can be very eye opening, like I realized I was spending a shit ton of money on travel, thinking that I was like out here living my best life when I was actually yeah. using it as an escape from the fact that I hated my job, <laughs> you know, and it's just like damn, like I, I it's hard to sit with that, but at the same time, that honesty with yourself is like how we start to change things. Would you agree? Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com dinero.
2: Absolutely. Like this year, I was one of my addictions is purses. And I, <laughs> Me too. I love purses yes. and I typically buy like one every season and I don't try to go too much over there because I spend four or $500 on a bag mm-hmm. and I bought like three bags in like one month. And my sister was like, <laughs> this is a little unusual. And I was like, girl, I got to wear it every day. <laughs> I'm fine. And you know, I really wasn't. And because my habits were changing and someone else noticed that my habits were changing, I had to, like, step outside. Like, why did I buy four bags in two months that mm-hmm. all cost $400? Like, what's going on, girl? Yeah. <laughs> and another thing I had to do was when I talk about fintech, that's my biggest thing. I love fintech. I love doing things to make um shit easier for me. hmm I started basically tricking myself into spending less money. How? And <laughs> <laughs> using direct deposit and automation, and a lot of people have their own feelings about auto pay. I love it. I plan my budget. I created my money system around using tools like auto pay. So one of my habits, and I think a good book, if we're recommending something to, when you're starting to look at habits, two books that I I started, I read were The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg and Atomic Habits by James Clear. So those were two books that I I used to start paying attention to myself a little bit more and set up systems that to help m- myself win. So I created a money system that where understanding my habit. Okay. So when you're about to spend money, I guarantee 9 out of 10 times You'll open your banking app, whatever bank you use, and you you look and say, oh, I got $200. All right, bet. Like,
0: <laughs> is that not the habit? Uh, yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> so when you think about the habit, the habit is I want to spend money or I want to go have a good time. So I'm going to open my banking app and I'm going to look at how much money I have. Now, depending on that number that I read, you know, whether it's $200 or $500, that's how much of a good time I can have. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to stay within that good time. So then if you want to say I put myself on an allowance or whatever, I was like, all right, if I know that this is what I do, I'm going to put all of my spending money in one account, that one bank. And whenever I'm ready to go out or to have fun or to spend money, that's the bank that I'll use. That's the credit card or that's the card that I'll use. So I will put X amount of dollars in this bank account and I'm going to use it. And when I use it, that's that money. And I know that my bills are paid because my bill money is not coming out of this account. I know that my savings is done because that's not my savings account. This money is strictly for whatever the fuck I want to do. I love it. (laughs) That's how I changed. And that it changed so much of how I even thought about what I was going to do, how I was spending money, because I really had to trick myself into spending less. And after that, after a couple months of that, spending less or saving more became much easier. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I have more discipline than anybody. I literally just set it up. In a way that there's no way that I'm going to spend my bill money because it's not even in the account that I'm using to spend and have fun with.
0: Yes. I love that approach. It's almost like you're using some version of like a digital envelope system where you're making sure that your money for your bills is set aside in one account. Your money for everyday spending is in another account. Your emergency fund is somewhere else. That was a big help for me, especially when I even took it to the point where I went to HR. I'm like, I want you to put this amount of money in this account. I want you to put this amount of money in this account. So like, there's no question about what is for what. Yes. You started with your direct
2: deposit. I didn't even trust myself to properly transfer the right (laughs) amount of money into my spending. It goes directly from the paycheck, right from the company, right into the right account because I didn't even trust myself to do that transfer. Yeah. I knew. I already knew. And (laughs) and that's what I talk about creating a budget that works with the habits, works with you instead of trying to change you into a new person. Like I still do the shit that I used to do. It's just I'm much more aware and I've set up systems that will make sure I save myself for myself.
0: <laughs> I love it. And, you know, I think why I love your messaging and your platform so much is because you're very like anti the message that we get from a lot of these white dudes in the personal finance space. Hi, Dave Ramsey, (laughs) where it's just like, um, no, you're not allowed to spend any money on fun things, especially if you have debt, like God forbid. And I think that's why so many people hate the word budget. They hate what it represents because they feel like, if I budget, I can't enjoy my life. And you as the bougie budgeter are like, (laughs) no, we can actually be bougie AF with a budget. So, Absolutely. talk about that, please. <laughs> let's demystify.
2: I think, okay. So, even let's just kind of go back to almost three years ago when I started the platform. Like I said, I just blew $5,000, but I had this good job. So, I'm like, ah, I'm making good money. Like, it's not that I'm not making money. So, I did what any 22 year old <laughs> millennial would do and turned to YouTube and Instagram. And I was like, okay, well, somebody on this internet has to have some answers for me. (laughs) Somebody has to know like the right way to do this shit and background for some people who need to know what my background is. I have an accounting background. I actually took my first accounting class when I was in 10th grade. So I've been learning accounting and finance since I was 15 years old. Wow. Yeah. And I got my MBA in accounting and a business administration. So if you need to know the background, there you go. And with all that financial background, I still was a little shaky when it came to my personal finances because business school doesn't teach you how to be a personal finance person. It does not teach you that. So all that to say. Is when I went online, I was like, all right, I know somebody has answers for me. And nobody really had answers for me because nobody really looked like me. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm not even saying that there weren't Black creators, there weren't women creators. There absolutely were in the space. But a lot of them were about 10 years older than I was. And the landscape and and what life looked like was a lot different for me. And then the other thing was that I found a lot of house moms that were working with two incomes. Like, they had Mm -hmm. their side hustle, and they had all their money, and then they had their husband's money, and they were planning for kids and all of that. And I was like, listen, I am 22 years old. I'm not getting (laughs) married no time soon. I'm not about to be nobody's wife. I don't even want kids, like... This shit does not apply to me. Like none of these people and that goes for, it's not when we're looking at personal finance and looking at someone to emulate or look at, it's not just do they have the same like physical characteristics. I'm talking about like, do they have the same financial situation as me? Mm -hmm. And nobody did. And when they would do these finance things at work, it was always two goals. It was only two goals either to start a family or buy a house. Right. That's all we're meant to do on this planet. (laughs) Didn't you hear? (laughs) I I missed the memo, but now I'm clear (laughs) that the only thing that I am meant to do is have some babies and buy a house. I was like, absolutely not. I cannot do this. I can't do this. Like where is the education for literally people just like me starting out in their corporate career, still want to have fun, don't have those type of responsibilities and don't want to wait until they hit financial rock bottom to do some shit about their finances. Mm -hmm. Like, why do I have to wait until I have literally no money in the bank? I'm penniless and I'm down bad to want to get on a good financial foot. Like I have everything that I need right now. Let me start now. And that's when I started creating content. And that's why I wanted to be that face in the the personal finance space that wasn't focused on real estate or focused on shameful budgeting strategies. It was, listen, I'm on a budget, but I'm also, I'm still outside. I'm still having fun. Like and I'm still making mistakes, and that's why I'm super candid about the mistakes that I've made and super candid about things that I don't understand because at this point I'm 25 now. You know, how much am I supposed to have figured out now? Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: I don't have it all figured out. And I think that's what my audience really loves about me is that we're figuring their shit out together. And I'm gonna do some stuff wrong and I'm gonna let you know when I have done something wrong and how I fucked up and when I realized (laughs) that I fucked up (laughs) and how to fix it
0: because you know we're all figuring it out at the same time. Listen, you are recapping my 20s, it was just a series of unfortunate events when it comes to (laughs) money, just life, career. I mean, like that's what your 20s are for. You're not supposed to be like. Under this fucking pressure to check off all of these boxes in life, you know, buy the house by the time you're 25, have the two and a half kids by the time you're 27, have an investment portfolio that's like $300,000 by the time you're 29. Like, chill. I love framing the idea of like your personal finance journey as a journey. Like, it's not one day you're going to be fucking perfect. You're going to be a master at everything. It is literally as you evolve as a human your money is going to evolve with you and what you do with it and just understanding that I think can help take some of the pressure off.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to build a platform where people felt comfortable to celebrate whatever small wins. One of my favorite stories that someone came to talk to me about or like celebrate it with me was that they could afford a root canal. Mm. It's so strange. Okay. Hear me out. Walk with me through the story. Root canals are expensive. Dental health in general, like when we're talking about healthcare, dental care is not a part of that. That is a separate bill and it is frankly pretty expensive. And, you know, someone came to me and said, from my shit talking online about money, they were able to save enough money to afford something that is really critical to their health, but In a perfect world, a lot of people couldn't afford to a $2,000 expense like a root canal. Mm. But when that goes untreated, that literally affects your entire body. Because a lot of your nerve endings, a lot of those things... I'm sorry, I've gone through a really tough journey with my own oral health. Mm (laughs) So it, it just really... But that stuck with me because... Like, some people don't realize how big of an impact it is to not afford or not think that you could afford some type of life-changing surgery or procedure that you really need. Yeah. Because when your, your mouth, when you're not feeling good in your, like, I don't know if you've ever had, like, one of those toothaches.
0: No, thank God. But I've seen family that has gone through that stuff, and I'm just like, yo, it disrupts your whole life. It Your entire
2: life. I had, like I said, I I had gone through a full journey with my own oral health. And when you have one of those toothaches that literally you can't sleep, it doesn't matter how many extra strain Tylenols you get. It literally does not matter how much oral B gel you put on it. It hurts. It bothers you. It affects your entire body. You can't focus. And having the money... To say, hey, I can afford to get a root canal so that I can continue to be healthy is so life-changing. And, you know, you have to celebrate those small things. Another story or another thing that I've been super candid about is my financial net worth. The last time I checked it was a 15000 And I am so proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> because when I first started tracking it, it was a 50000 and in a matter of one year, I have gotten it or a little bit over a year, I've gotten it down to negative fifteen thousand. And I promise y'all, I do not have a sugar daddy. If I did, I would let you know.
0: <laughs> well, first off, congratulations because I remember those days and it can feel very deflating to just even see that number being negative. Right. But you have to focus on the long term goal. And just
2: know that it's not gonna be negative. And yes. Again, I was when I started that 23, I'm 23 years old. How and I have $75,000 worth of student loan debt, but even still at that point at a negative $50,000 in a financial net worth meant that I had $20,000 in assets.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: On top of whatever student loans I had, yeah. So I had to look at that bigger picture. And I share that because we say we're going to start at zero. No, you're going to start less than zero. A lot of times we're starting less than zero and it can feel defeating. But so what? That's where I started. Like, you going to fight me because I started at negative <laughs> 50,000? No. Yeah. The only person that should be mad is me. And I'm not <laughs> because what else did I have to work with? All I know is that that's where my starting point is, but that's not where I'm ending. And it just gave me the fuel to continue to grow, to continue to share that because somebody needed to see that. We don't all need to just see the, wow, I'm so jealous of your net financial net worth, Janice. You know,
0: (laughs) I wish I had that much money. (laughs) Listen, I was negative six figures in debt up until I was 30 two years old so ain't nothing to be jealous of it was exactly. a long ass journey with a lot of untold stories and that's why you cannot compare yourself to the bullshit you see on instagram
2: exactly and not that not knocking anybody where they are it's just i'm gonna show where i'm at i'm gonna yeah. show and i'm gonna be super proud of Making my first ten thousand in my investment account. Like, who mm-hmm. the fuck cares if someone thinks that that's a small number? I don't care if somebody else has a hundred thousand dollars in their investment account. Like, good for them. Are they going to give me ten thousand dollars? <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I don't care about what anybody else is doing, but I know that it's super important to see uh, for other people to see. Like, damn, she started there and I don't want anyone to think that I'm so far above them financially when I'm not. And I am the friend that makes the least amount of money, to be honest. (laughs) I make about $80,000 and all of my friends make more money than I do. So, like, we can't compare. We just take what we got and keep it moving. Yes. I love that message.
0: So, I want to know based on everything that you've learned about yourself and with your money journey, what advice would you give to someone who's on their day 1 right now that wants to get their finances in under control but doesn't know where to start? Break it down, start at one thing at a time.
2: I tend to see a lot of people want to skip steps and of course, like it looks way more sexier to start investing. It looks way more sexier to start with six different side hustles. And again, uh, Janice is the side hustle queen. (laughs) Um, It looks way more sexy to have all of those things. But you have to start at one. Like you have to start at one thing. If you want to only focus on your financial net worth first, start there. Like that's kind of where I started. If you want to start with only at your credit journey, start there. If you want to only start at your debt-free journey, start there. Because when we try to do six things at once, we're going to be shitty at all six things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Guarantee you. Yep. <laughs> Guarantee you. are going to be <laughs> terrible at all six things that you're trying to do at once. Because that's when we get into information overload and decision paralysis One thing about our heads is that our brains make over 35,000 decisions a day.
0: Oh, my God. No wonder I'm always so fucking exhausted.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And that's bare minimum. Bare minimum you're making because to get out of the right side or the left side of the bed, to brush top teeth or bottom teeth first, those are all decisions that we're making in our head. Mm -hmm. So our brains literally have to skip some steps sometimes. And that's where those habits come into play, where if you always brush at the top, your brain is just going to automatically just start brushing at the top and it no longer becomes an active decision. It becomes a more passive decision. So our brains make all these decisions every day. And then you're going to put on top of it, trying to learn about six different disciplines in your personal finances and then actively act on them. All at the same time, no. You're going to be trash at all of them. I promise you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Save yourself the heartache. Save yourself from that disappointment, for real. Like, you're going to be disappointed when you can't get a handle on all of them. And I'm speaking from a place of a person who tried to do a lot of shit at one time. And it just overwhelms me. Mm -hmm. So pick one thing. Like, what speaks to you the most? For me, debt never really spoke to me. I figured that I'm gonna make enough money to pay this shit off, so <laughs> We're debt be right. never really, you know, <laughs> debt never really uh, set too much into me. But that financial net worth that set into me, and I don't know why. I can't really explain it. And when you pick that discipline that makes more sense to you, you probably won't be able to explain it either, and that's fine. But yeah. pick one thing. And go for it. Get real serious about it. Get real nasty with it. Like, hey, this is what my goal is, and I'm gonna work hard for it. Mm. 2021, I don't know if I'm gonna hit the zero financial net worth. I'm, oof. I mean, again, if you are a sugar daddy (laughs) (laughs) looking. I can't. I cannot with you. <laughs> Looking to give a, um, having an extra $15,000 that you need to take off the books for the end of 2021.
0: I am your girl. your girl. Please, <laughs> please. You know, I cannot. Yo, that is savage. I love it.
2: <laughs> but I'm going to see if I can make something shake for this last 15,000. And if I don't hit it, that's Okay. That's fine. My other goal for 2021 is was to um get $10,000 in my individual brokerage account. That's going to be hit. So mm. if I don't hit both my goals, I'm okay, but I'm going to hit one out of two. So uh, 50%, that's still a, fa- a failing grade, but... <laughs> We're going to take the benefit of the doubt and just do a little math and give me some partial credit for the financial net worth goal.
0: Listen, there is no failure when you are just putting one foot in front of the other and doing the damn thing. So kudos to you and all of your success. I am so here for it. Now, I'm wondering, do you have some sort of money mantra or some favorite quote around money that you love? I used to. And I
2: heard something that really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. I can't really give someone their own mantra because I don't know where you are mentally when it comes to your money, Mm. right? Like, you can say all the mantras in the world. You can say, I deserve to have every dollar or every dollar comes to me easy. I can say all of those things, but I believe that in myself, and me saying it out loud just reinforces that. But if you start saying it and in the back of your head, you haven't done that that mental money mindset work that we, we were talking about at the beginning. If you haven't done that work, then you saying that you're a money magnet, but in the back of your head, like, eh, not really. Like, uh, money don't be really coming to me. It's not really as productive. As Mm -hmm. you would think that it is like money mantras are only as productive as the mindset that you already have. So you can be lying. People lie all the time. You know, (laughs) cognitive dissonance (laughs) is a thing. You can say one thing and believe a different thing. So until you start actively believing and doing that money work inside of you, that mental work inside of you, it doesn't matter how many mantras I can give you. That's just how I feel. Yes. But some mantras that I do say, I have them up on my board. Two that I really love are I provide value to every person that I meet. Mm -hmm. And when I say I mean that shit, like I don't feel like that there's ever been a true interaction with a person that has ever met me that did not get some kind of value out of it. And if you did not, keep that to yourself. I don't actually care. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. I love it. But in all seriousness, I truly try to make sure that every interaction that I have with a person, whether it is in person, whether it is virtually, that you get some value from me. And I know that I provide value just with my energy, with my knowledge, all of those things. I know that I provide value to every person that I meet. So that's something that I say to myself. And I execute excellent work every time. Okay, mm-hmm. everything that I do is excellent, and I don't care if it's like my not my best work is still excellent. And, <laughs> and you know, call it arrogance, call it whatever—I don't know—but I know that I execute excellent work. I know that I'm worthy and I'm capable of executing on a high level. So those are two things amongst like a couple others that I say, but those two are like the ones that really stick with me because one is just. Very internal to me, like knowing that I execute and then the other is very outward facing that I know that I'm going to meet people and I know that they're going to get some type of value, no matter if it's a five minute conversation or a 50 minute conversation.
0: Well, this was an excellent interview and you provided a ton of value. So I just want to let (laughs) you know, and I'm sure that folks that are listening right now are like, I need more bougie budgeter in my life. So where is the best place for us to find you? And how do you work with folks to help them become bougie budgeters?
2: All right. So my favorite part, you can find me on the interwebs everywhere at Bougie Budgeter. So B-O-U-J-I-E, because Bougie with a G looks like boogie to me. (laughs) (laughs) Budgeter, B-U-D-G-E-T-E-R. So that's on all platforms, just bougie budgeter. Or if you are a community organizer that has a bunch of young professionals just in your reach. I work with colleges and corporations to do full scale workshops. So I do not do anything interpersonal. If you would like to just learn from me, I believe that financial education should be free and accessible. Mm. So I welcome you to follow me and get all the free goodness. But if you want a full scale workshop now, that'll cost you a little dollar or two. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But no, I, I love working with colleges and, and corporations, especially those that have like those specialized rotational programs for young professionals and colleges are just my sweet spot. I love working with college students and encouraging them to start off right when they get that first check to make the most of it and get everything that you need and start on your financial path strong so you can just continue to build on it.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, this has been an amazing conversation, Michael. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for being a voice in this community that is giving us permission to be bougie with a budget.
2: Absolutely, and thank you so much for inviting me, Janice. I'm super excited to be here and just to be a part of your space. Thank you so much.
1: To find out if it's right for you,
0: thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14 page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14 page guide includes our best tips on money mindset budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered Stay inspired and stay poderosa.